You are listening to episode number 18 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Hey guys, what's up? This is Gordon, and this is episode number 18 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. This is part two of the Amazon FBA section of what I'm calling the Moneymaker series. So a couple episodes ago, I went through my top five recommended ways for making money online, and Amazon FBA was number two in that list. And I decided that after some feedback that I was going to take the time to dedicate an individual episode to each of those five methods for making money online. And unfortunately, Amazon.com, private labeling, FBA, all of that stuff uh, that falls under the Amazon umbrella, that is just too much information and too much material to cover in one episode. So episode number 11 was the episode where I went over my top five recommended ways for making money online. And then episode number 15 was the first of the three-part Amazon FBA uh, series, if you will. Okay, so this is part two of the Amazon FBA series. All right, so where we left off on part one, part one really went over product discovery, product selection, and kind of identifying with yourself what you want to sell as a private label seller or or not a private label seller, but just an Amazon seller in general, uh, what you want to sell for a physical product, maybe start to think about your brand, how to go into Amazon and look at competition, look at saturation, how to look at pricing history on camelcamelcamel.com, how to find suppliers in Alibaba and um, or global sources. And also, uh, and, and, and this is very important, uh, there was some discussion on using Google Trends to analyze what the world thinks of that product and how popular it is, really. So, uh, so we spent about an hour going over that stuff. I'm going to try and make this one a little bit shorter, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to. So this episode, part two of the Amazon FBA breakdown, is going to pick up right where episode, uh, well, part one of this left off. So... That's going to cover Amazon account setup, listing creation and optimization. Uh, it's going to get into some stuff that you may or may not have heard about before in terms of the optimization, which is like backend keywords and uh, sponsored ads, pay-per-click. And these are all things that help your product when you put it up on Amazon available for purchase. Uh, they help your product show up on uh, like you know, like the first page, second page, basically it's called ranking. So they help your products rank better. So we'll get into some of that stuff as well. Now that, that topic right there can be an entire episode. It can be an entire series. In fact, I think some people have dedicated uh, multi-part webinars and in-person conferences just to discuss sponsored ads, pay-per-click and ranking tactics. So this won't be quite to that level, but it'd be more than enough to get you started and more than just a brief overview. It'll actually kind of, you know, we'll dive in to the Amazon pay-per-click stuff uh, to the extent of the knowledge that I have on the subject. And it'll be, uh, it'll be good enough to get you going. So, uh, okay. So the last episode, uh, the last part of the series, we talked about 
negotiating prices with your supplier. And where we left off was you were in a position to, as a buyer, as a, as a new customer here, as a new Amazon seller, you were in a position to begin buying that product. So you have placed an order with your supplier. So we're just going to start from there. And while your product is being manufactured and you guys have agreed on terms, you and your supplier have agreed on terms, it is now uh, you know, a waiting period. And it could be a few weeks, it could be a month, and you don't just want to sit back and wait while that that product is being manufactured. You, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do in that time. Um, so you do fortunately have a good you know, window of time to do these things, and you can focus solely on them rather than sit around and uh, wait for your product to come in. And there's really nothing else to do with your supplier in that meantime. So um, if you don't have an Amazon account yet at this point, that is the first thing you need to do. So you will go into Amazon and you will set up a seller's account. Now, there are two different types of Amazon seller's accounts. There is an individual seller's account and then there's a professional seller's account. So the individual seller's account is actually free to set up. So it doesn't cost any money to create the seller's account. And the way that works is they charge you, I believe, 99 cents per um, per sale um, in addition to the normal FBA fees. Uh, but there is a limit to how many things you can sell. And I actually think that it, it's limited to one. So I think you can only sell one thing kind of at a time. Um, the professional account is $39.99 a month, last I checked. And that has no limit. So there's only those two different types. So you're either selling one thing here and there, or you're selling a lot of products as an FBA kind of private label seller with an intent to create a full income stream. So if that is your intent to create an actual income stream, you're going to want the professional account. And for $39.99 a month, um, it, you know, it might sound high at first because you're, you're spending money, right? And you're not, you don't necessarily have money coming in yet. Uh, but you need to spend money in order to make money sometimes. And this is one of those times. So if you've done your research and you went through the Google trends, like I recommended, and you went above and beyond the stuff that I talked about in the last uh, part of the series, and you went and did some additional research on um, like competition and saturation and product market demand, and um, which, to be fair, the the Google Trends data, the Camel 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 data, and analyzing Amazon um, heavily, just you know, looking at the amount of products up there that look the same, and um, and trying to compare it to the other sellers, and that that's that's pretty good analysis, uh, upfront for getting yourself started. Uh, there is a lot of tools, a lot of paid tools that can do a lot more than that. Now I intentionally didn't talk about these in the last episode, but I'm going to bring them up here or at least one of them. And that tool is called jungle scout. So I don't necessarily advise spending money on a lot of tools before you get too far along, which is the reason that I did not bring this up in the first part of the Amazon FBA series. Um, but there is a tool, it's called Jungle Scout. It's pretty cool. And it's, uh, it's relatively inexpensive. It's a one-time fee of $97. So it's a hundred dollar tool. And right there, that might sound kind of expensive, you know, and it, it kind of is right. But which is why I don't recommend you get it right, right away, right off the bat. You don't really need it right off the bat. Uh, what it does though, um, what Jungle Scout's claim to fame is it, it provides an extension inside Google Chrome. 
So there's a little icon in Chrome after you install it. And when you're searching around on Amazon.com in Google Chrome, uh, this doesn't work on your phone, by the way. It only works on uh, like a desktop computer, um, Mac or PC, doesn't matter. But uh, you'll be searching around on Amazon.com. And every time you click on a product, you can click on the Jungle Scout icon up in your Google Chrome bar. And it will display a lot of very, very closely accurate uh, data on the product that you're looking at. So it'll provide you with uh, the number of sales they get per month based on like, well, we can talk about how it calculates all that stuff in a minute, but it will provide a, a whole lot of information such as sales per month and approximate revenue. And uh, it does that by looking at sales history and it kind of tracks it over time. And it also looks at the pricing history and pulls up that information. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it, it'll give you um, dimensions and weight. And it'll give you oversized indicator, whether or not the product's an oversized you know, product and it doesn't fit in that standard size box. Uh, it'll give you the FBA fees. Um, it's an estimate, but it's pretty close. And the overall profit, um, it's a calculated you know estimate as well, but it's it's pretty close. So, you know, it's a pretty, it's an, it's a unique tool. It's interesting. I think it's extremely useful. I'm a current jungle scout subscriber. I don't think you need it right off the bat. If you don't want to spend the $97, I don't think that's going to hold you back. I did not have that tool in the beginning and it wasn't an issue. And there's some other things you can do too. I mean, you can do what jungle scout does um, manually. So it takes a lot of patience, but you can do it. You can, and essentially how you would do that is, and we're kind of going back to product selection here, but what you could do is you could go into a listing that you think is interesting and you could copy down the bestseller rank, the BSR, and you could um, do that over time and also look at the camel, camel, camel data over time. And you could combine those two things together and kind of see how the BSR changes over time. There used to be this tactic where you could take a product and you could try to put a quantity in your shopping cart of 999 and most of the time people don't have that many on in stock so it would say amazon would throw an error and say there are only however many there were in stock let's say 650 uh sorry we can't we can't process your request we can you know there's only 650 in stock so you say, okay, so then you can just, you know, clear it, write that number down and then clear it and then go in the next day and try to do that again, try to put in 999 and it would say, sorry, there are only 625 in stock, you know, because maybe they sold 25 that day and you do that over and over again. And as you see the actual quantity go down, like that's the only way to get real quantity information from something that's in stock and something on Amazon through Amazon's website of, of a competitor, um, without using something like jungle scout. So it, it works, um, just takes a lot longer. Now jungle scout has some other algorithmic functions that it uses to try and compute that. And it gets pretty close. So it's a great tool for that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but it's not entirely necessary. So, um, so here we are. So we're back to account creation. So if you have any intent of turning whatever you're doing on Amazon FBA into an actual brand, then I recommend you get the pro account and you never have to worry from there about how many products you're selling and 
the fees are going to be relatively consistent in the structure that they use. Uh, you won't be hit with that extra dollar for every sale. And um, it's just you know nice and easy. And it's, it's done. You never have to worry about it again. So I do recommend also creating your own email address that is specific for this, this purpose, this Amazon brand, this Amazon product selling, you know, business that you're building essentially. And initially it's okay if it's a Gmail account, that's not really a problem. If you have intentions of turning this into an actual brand, like a big brand, you know, with multiple products and you want to make a lot of money and, and be visible among social media and everything, eventually you're going to need your own website. You're going to need your own URL, your own domain, and you're going to need your email to be that domain. It, um, it kind of implies a level of professionalism that a Gmail account just doesn't have. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty obvious, right? So, but you don't need those things to start. So you don't need to worry about that now. I'm just kind of planting that seed so that it's in your head for the future. Okay. So you have your pro account, hopefully, or your individual account. And now you begin the listing creation and kind of listing optimization process. It's hard to optimize when it doesn't exist and it's hard to optimize when you're not pulling sales yet, but it is, uh, it is, you know, you can at least use good practices, I guess, when you're creating your listing. So, uh, a listing can be as simple as just the default, like the default setup, which is really just a white, you know, white background with a couple paragraphs of text, a couple bullet points, and that's that nothing crazy, you know, very simple title. But here's the thing. If you spend time optimizing that listing or may or fluffing it up, um, that will significantly improve your sales, significantly improve your traffic, and ultimately help your bottom line, right? So um, when I say listing creation and optimization, I'm really talking about you creating a listing for your product, which you can do without having your product. Um, and I'll go over that in a minute and then going into your listing and changing some things like, uh, well, obviously adding pictures, you want to add pictures and that's a whole separate conversation as well, but we'll get into that. Uh, so you want to add pictures. You want to very carefully select your thumbnail picture, the one that everyone sees when they're in the search, uh, like the search window and looking at the results of their search. So, uh, so that's very, very important. Your title is very, very important. And the keywords that you use to insert in the title are very, very important. Your bullet points, whether you do benefits or features, uh, however you want to lay those out, you know, that's essentially the creative copywriting aspect of this whole thing. And then also your description, your description is, it is important. It's not as important for keyword relevance in terms of the search function. So it's not like your keywords in the description are not going to have nearly as much relevance in the return of the results as say the keywords in your title or the keywords in your bullet points or the keywords in the back end of your listing, which is something we have not talked about yet. So I don't want to overwhelm you. Uh, <laughs> if you're new to this, then that might be what's happening right now. And I apologize, but, um, let's just start with creating a listing. So you're going to go into Amazon. Once you create your account, you're going to spend a lot of time in your, your user, uh, portion of the account and it's called seller central. The URL for that is sellercentral.amazon.com. That's a place where you'll spend a tremendous amount of time. And from there you will go into your inventory and you can create new listings. 
and you can create a listing in a couple minutes. It's very simple. The things that you're going to need to create a listing are a description of your product, what it is, the dimensions, weight, pretty basic stuff that you should probably already know about the product, but also you're going to need a UPC. So how do you get a UPC? Well, you can buy UPCs online. They're very simple. And you don't need to have a picture of the barcode or anything necessarily. For Amazon, they don't care about that. Uh, what they want is the UPC number. So you need to have a UPC number. You can buy them online anywhere and just search for buy UPCs. Now, if you spend more money on a UPC, you'll get something that's totally unique that's created just for you. If you want to go the inexpensive route, which is probably not a bad idea if you're just starting out, you can get UPCs very, very, very cheap, like pennies, uh, pennies per UPC. I think the more you buy, um, the way, the cheaper they are. And, but these are repurposed UPCs. So these are UPCs that used to be registered for something. And then they were kind of decommissioned, if you will. And now they're available for sale. Uh, I have been told that repurposed UPCs sometimes have a history that's bound to them and it can lead to trouble later on. Uh, but I would really, I would, I really wouldn't worry about that when you're just starting out. I don't think it's a, a significant, uh, you know, critical thing here for, for building something from, uh, you know, at the entry level, it's really just a problem when you get to the kind of higher up levels and you're selling massive, massive quantities and you have a lot of visibility and people are, you know, digging into your, your business model and trying to find dirt and stuff, especially when you get to hijackers and things like that. But for now, uh, you can just do an online search and, uh, and buy some UPC. So you do need a UPC to create your listing. And, um, once you get into the listing creation page, you'll see that there's just a, there's a blank field. You just type in your UPC. Um, it does ask for a SKU, I know a SKU number, you don't have to provide them with a SKU. They will generate one for you. Um, one time at one point I created an entire like SKU labeling system for all my products and it worked out really well. And then it got very, very out of hand and got a little crazy. So I ended up, uh, just defaulting to Amazon's SKU generation number after that. And actually that's been fine. So, uh, you do not need to have the SKU. Um, so once you go into the listing page, you'll see all the things you need. I'm not going to rattle off every single um, item that they're looking for, but then you get into the pictures and the description and the bullet points and the back end keywords. And I'll go over those one at a time. So pictures, um, if you've ever done any research on Amazon FBA or copywriting or physical product selling or anything like that, uh, chances are you came across pictures as being one of the most critical part of this, this whole thing. And the reason is you catch your audience's eye before you, before they have a chance to think about it. Um, and that happens instantly. As soon as they search for something, the, what they see with their eyes, uh, registers faster than their brain thinking about the, you know, the functionality of the product. So if you show a really you know, sexy picture of your product, whatever it is, and it was very, very professionally shot, it looks really, really nice. Um, it, you know, the photography was, was great. The filter, if any filtering or post effects or post uh, processing on the picture, if that was all done, uh, professionally, that looks really nice. You know, that catches the eye too. That's going to make someone want to click on it 
way, way, way more than say just an iPhone shot of that product sitting on your kitchen table or something. Um, and then once you get, once, you know, let's just say that that happens, you have a really, really attractive thumbnail picture of your product and, uh, the person clicks on that, the buyer clicks on that and they go into your listing and you have five, six, seven more really, really, really well shot pictures with maybe some, you know, some cool angles or some creative angles of the, of the product, maybe the product being used like a lifestyle picture. That's what they call those lifestyle pictures of the product being used. And the buyer can then start to kind of envision themselves using the product or envision if it's a gift, they can envision the person they're giving this thing to, uh, using the product. So they want that imagery and it, and it helps so much to have that in your listing. So plan on taking or paying someone to take professional level pictures of all your products. And it doesn't matter what the product is. It doesn't matter how inexpensive the product is or expensive. If you want to draw more attention, get more eyes on your product and get more sales, uh, beautiful pictures and a beautifully set up listing is a huge part of that. So professional photography, I can't stress it enough. And once you get past uh, the pic the picture insertion, then you're going to get into bullet points. Now, I believe Amazon allows four, no, five bullet points that you can uh, you can populate with information. And there's been a lot of talk over the since I've been involved in this anyway, whether the the correct approach to this or the best approach to this is using benefits to populate those bullets or features. So there are differences. Uh, there's differences, right? So features are very specific features about that product. You know, if it's a a garden shovel, then a feature might be that it has a wooden handle and that it has a I don't know some steel reinforcement armor or something around the uh, the blade or whatever the point is that makes contact with the ground. You know, those are features. Things about the specific item. Those are features. And then benefits would be. Uh, they can, they can, they, there's a blurred line between features and benefits, but benefits are basically how it improves your life, how it improves your experience, uh, doing whatever it is you're doing with that product. So a benefit of your, of using your shovel might be plant trees in record time using our amazing shovel or, um, you know, achieve the, the lawn of your dreams using this tool in your, your arsenal. Or something like that. So it's it's a benefit that the person is going to get out of using your product. It has nothing to do with the product. You're not even really talking about the product. You're talking about the ways that that person's life is going to benefit from using it. And that's that's different from a feature. So the bullet points in your listing should be a combination of features and benefits. And that is a whole kind of science in itself. So the only way to really nail that with your particular product and your particular listing is to test it. And it's using something called split testing, which you can't do yet. And we'll talk about that later, but that's a whole different tactic to really dialing in your listing. And that's what optimization of your listing uh, is. Uh, so you've created your listing, you have started to populate your bullet points. You have, you don't have probably 
pictures, uh, professional pictures at this point, but now you know what you need to do. So you can either use your prototype sample if you think it's good enough, if it's not, if it doesn't have any physical blemishes or anything, and you can start to get uh, professional shots taken of that to use. Uh, so you've got your pictures, you kind of have an idea of what you need for pictures, and same with, um, just like with the benefits and features and all the bullet points, I recommended split testing down the road, you know, trying out different stuff and optimizing that. You also need to optimize your pictures and you do that by cycling them through. And this is going to be a whole separate conversation, but you end up cycling them through for periods of time and seeing which picture set and which thumbnail yields the best return in terms of sales, in terms of uh, visits by customers, in terms of um, like click-throughs, there's a click-through rate, there's a uh, you know, traffic and uh, conversions. So you can, you can cycle your pictures and depending on, you know, which one you use, you might, you may or may not see a significant difference in what the customer does when they land on your listing. Um, so you've got pictures, you've got your, your bullet points, your description is probably the next thing you're going to fill out. And the description, if you go to an Amazon listing and you scroll down, uh, usually you see the main product, you see the main five bullet points. A lot of times you'll see a, a string of items uh, beneath that that says uh, something like customers who viewed this item also viewed these items. And, uh, and then there's another one that says, you know, what do uh, customers buy after viewing this item? And there's usually a bunch of other items listed on there. Um, and then beneath that, beneath all that stuff, there's the product description. The product description is where you can kind of do whatever you want as far as you know marketing your your product. Um, you can talk about it in any way you want. The length is I don't have the exact length on hand, but it's it's huge, and you can fit in easily enough to to say what you need to say about the product. Um, I do not recommend using an extremely lengthy description if you're just going to be doing text. And the reason for that is, uh, well, just think about anytime you've gone to buy something on Amazon. And if you haven't bought anything on Amazon, go to amazon.com right now and search for something and, you know, look at a few different items and, and think about whether or not you want to read an entire like white paper on the thing that you're about to buy or considering buying. Or would you rather just see the bullet points, see the pictures, and then see one or two paragraphs about the product that are short, concise, and tell you what you need to know and aren't this huge elaborate sales pitch? Uh, because I'm telling you right now, that's what most people respond positively to is a very clean, concise description that isn't overly sales pitchy. Okay. So in your description, that's what you're going to do. And the way to, to really figure out some of the tactics that work really well in the description is to just go on Amazon and look at other um, highly ranked items and how they position their, um, their sales copy inside their description. You know, where do they put um, their discussion about uh, what the product does? what the product is and where do they put in their description how it's best used and where do they put in their description who it's best used uh, for or who is the, the ideal person to be using this thing, you know, who is their target 
for that item. All of those things will be in the description. And you can go on Amazon and look for some other highly successful listings and pull inspiration, draw inspiration from how they crafted their descriptions. And that's, that's a whole science in itself as well. You know, if you really want to take it to the next level, I mean, all of these things, uh, the bullet points, the copy, the pictures, the description, those are the things, the title, those are the things that the customer is going to see those. That's all they know about this product that they're looking at, especially if you're private labeling it and it's something that's relatively new to the market, or in some cases, brand new to the market. All they have is the information there. So there's a whole science to it. And as you can imagine, there's been a lot of people who have tested a whole lot of different things. And some people have found that certain formulas work. Some people have found that you need to split test with every single item in order to make that item successful. And that's the case with all of my products. Unfortunately, I do not have a follow this simple blueprint with my, for my description, title, pictures, bullet points, and you will get a fully successful selling product that makes you money every single day. Um, I am in that situation where I am making money every single day from my Amazon listings and my brands, but I had to split test every single one of them to get to that point. And you might have to do the same thing, but don't let that ward you off because it's actually pretty cool. It's rewarding and no one understands your product or your brand better than you. So uh, just keep that in mind. You're going to have to do that, but you can't really split test anything until your product is live. In fact, you can't do it at all. All you can do is put your best foot forward here. What you think is going to be a, a good picture, a good description, a good set of bullet points and a good title. And then once it starts selling, you can make the tweaks and see what works and what doesn't work. Okay. So title, uh, I mentioned it a little bit, but I didn't really talk about it. Title is extremely important and title might be, no one really knows for sure, by the way, um, what causes your product to show up on page one versus page two, as far as keywords go. So people claim to know, but at the end of the day, Amazon has a very involved algorithm similar to YouTube and um, you know, most search engines where you type something in, you don't really have control over what comes, what, what shows up first. So what people think, some people um, through testing and myself included, uh, what, what seems to be uh, consistent from person to person um, who I've spoken to is that the title has a lot of weight in the ranking and positioning of your item. So if you say you, you're selling a garden shovel still, and this garden shovel is made out, it has a wooden shaft and a steel handle and a steel blade, and you put wooden shovel, as an example, um, to into your, to your title. Uh, that So the, the, the term wood and the term wooden and the term shovel and the term wooden shovel and probably the term wood shovel are going to get picked up by Amazon's algorithm and they're going to go through this complicated mathematic computation that's no one really knows what it is and they're going to spit you out in some position somewhere. So uh, the better you can craft your title, uh, the more success you're going to have at ranking higher. So essentially when you sell a product, you 
have a list of keywords that you want to rank for probably. So if you're selling a garden shovel, you want to rank for the word shovel. You want to rank for the word garden. You want to rank for the word garden shovel or the phrase garden shovel and so on and so forth. And in order to do that, uh, you, you need to be able to allow Amazon's algorithm to pick up those words and having them in the title is a way to do that. So go spend an extra, an extra little bit of time looking at the titles of some highly ranked Amazon products. And what you'll find is that they're, they're written in a way that you know what the product is as a buyer. Uh, but there also seems to be almost like a pattern in the way that they're written. You know, it doesn't just say it's not, it's not totally black and white. If you're looking for a, a notebook, a black, no, a notebook with a black cover, spiral bound, the, 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 I guarantee there's not a listing out there that's doing very, very well that has the title spiral bound black notebook. It just doesn't, it's just not going to, not going to exist because that's not enough information and that's not going to feed the algorithm with what it wants. So go look for keywords relevant to that and try to come up with a creative title based on empirical research, looking at some other listings that are doing really well. And when the product is in and you create the listing, you launch the listing and everything's live, you can start to also split test your title. So that's another thing. Uh, not only do customers look at the picture, which they do first and foremost, but they also respond to the title. They respond to what they see on that page. So I think they usually get a snapshot of the first couple bullet points and they also get to see the title and they also get to see the thumbnail picture uh, in the search results before they even click on it. So you want all those things to be very, very attractive, right? You want them to be very sexy, but you also want them to be practical and not misleading. So keep that in mind. So title. So at this point, you have created a description, you have created a title, you have created your picture plan, your photography plan, your thumbnail plan, and or you already maybe at this point you already have the pictures and you have started to get into your bullet points. You've done your bullet points as well. And that's great. So you're you're almost there. Uh, the other big thing with your listing at this point is back end keywords. So if you go into Amazon Seller Central and you click on inventory and you go to your listing that you just made and there will be a tab at the top that says keywords. Now, if you go into keywords, you will see a number of different things. So the first thing you'll see is a field called search terms. Now, this really is your backend keywords. Like that's the main meat of it. And you can have uh, up to a thousand characters in that first field. And then directly below that field, there's a, a little uh, blurb of text that says add more, I think. And if you click on add more, you can add another thousand characters and you can do that five times. So that you end up having five rows of a thousand characters It's 5,000 characters. And that is a lot. Uh, if you can fill it in great. If you can't, that's okay too. I don't know how much relevance those backend keywords have when you get up to the 2000, 3000, 4000, you know, 5,000 numbers. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've only ever filled out the first two and I split tested that by deleting the second one and waiting a couple weeks and then putting it back in and my conversions didn't change. So my particular product lines, there's really only about a thousand characters worth of backend keywords that are helping conversions. Um, I did that a couple different times and I did it a couple different ways, but you know, I kind of, kind of optimized it to the point where I'm, I'm happy. So, um, 
So search terms. And what you're going to be putting in there are keywords. So if you're selling a garden shovel, you're going to put in the word shovel and then garden and then wood and then metal and then topsoil and then soil and then plants and then grass and dirt, and trees, all these things, anything relevant, anything related to your product. And you're going to separate them with a space. So don't separate them with a comma. I've heard that you can put a comma and then a space, but why bother? You can just separate them with a space. So garden, space, shovel, space, grass, space, tree, and so on and so forth. And then below that, there are a few other fields. They're pretty straightforward. Uh, it's really just like stuff like subject matter. Um, who is this, this item for? And uh, there's a lot of suggested stuff in there, so you can kind of use those and then and then branch off of there and you know, use those as starting points, the, the material that Amazon pre-populates in those fields, and then just go from there. Like They provide examples. Um, and I don't know how much weight those hold. I don't think they hold too much. Uh, so, I mean, it's good to fill them out. I wouldn't leave any fields blank. And, but from, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overanalyze those fields either. I, I haven't ever, and I don't think it's really affected me one way or the other. So, uh, so those are your backend keywords. Now it's critical that you do that and make sure that you populate it to a point where you think everything that's in there is relevant and that you're not, you know, obviously not forgetting anything. Um, time will tell whether your keywords are doing you any favors or not. And all you can do is put your product up and test it and see what the sales look like and then change things and tweak it and optimize it over time. That's, that's really the only way to do it. So, um, just having your listing done to this, this, uh, this level ahead of time before your products arrive arrives is, is, uh, is a sign of taking action and that you're pretty serious about it. So that if you're doing that, that's awesome. And that's, that's really the best way to make sure that you're prepared for when your product does arrive. Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about in this episode, part two of the three-part Amazon FBA kind of breakdown, is sponsored ads and pay-per-click. Now, sponsored ads and pay-per-click is a feature inside Amazon that you allows you to pay money from a bank account or you know a credit card, whatever your account is that's bound to Amazon. Um, and you can pay money to have your product show up on page one or on certain searches. Okay. And the way that it works is when you go into advertisements, the advertising campaigns inside Amazon, you can set up a campaign such that Amazon charges you a certain amount of money per click. Uh, of your product. So you can, let me break it down a little bit deeper. When you go into an Amazon sponsored ads campaign and you create one from scratch, what you do is you pick keywords one at a time and you add keywords to this campaign and you assign dollar amounts or uh, it can be even cents. You know, you can assign a quarter or whatever, but you sign some, some money, some monetary amount of money to each uh, keyword. And that is the maximum amount of money you will pay per click of that of that key of your of your listing when someone searches for that keyword. So here's an example. You make an, a campaign, you put in a keyword in your campaign and that keyword is shovel and you assign a value of a dollar 50 to that keyword. 
That means that when someone goes into Amazon.com anywhere in the world from any device and they search for the word shovel and your listing gets thrown to the front. So that's the first product they see. And it's got a special box around it because it's a sponsored ad. And they click on that. You will be charged money. Whether they buy it or not, you will be charged money. Okay? You don't you won't necessarily be charged a dollar fifty. You will be charged whatever the market value for that word is at that time. And how is that established? Well, depending on how many other people have a sponsored ads campaign and have that keyword that they are also bidding money for, uh, well, that will determine what the cost per click is going to be for your keyword. So if there's a thousand other people selling shovels of any kind and they use the word shovel in their advertising sponsored ads or pay-per-click campaign and they have a dollar amount of two dollars what will happen is the algorithm we believe the algorithm will see your bid and their bid and they will make uh, the minimum bid for the other person to pay a dollar fifty one because you bid a dollar fifty they bid higher than that so dollar fifty now becomes the minimum and the next person who has that $2 minimum on theirs now will win the click, uh, you know, they'll win the space, they'll win the position, and they'll pay more than you paid for that position. Now, the thing is, there's going to be more than two people. There's going to be 1,000 people uh, or 2,000 or 5,000 sellers out there selling something, potentially. And they're all running sponsored ads, and they are all, you know, they're bidding some number. So you may or may not win. And here's the other thing. You can set a cap on your daily sponsored ads amount. So if you have, just as an example, and this is not really realistic, but if you have 10 keywords and you bid a dollar for each one, then, and you want to set a cap, let's say you set a cap for $10 for your entire campaign. So theoretically, that means each of your keywords could be clicked on uh, one time for the max amount each, a dollar. Um, let's say you have that campaign set up with a $10 maximum, 10 keywords, $1 each. And someone goes into those keywords. Someone searches for each of those keywords. Let's say 10 people, they each go into Amazon. They type in one of those words, um, in the first few hours of the day and your product comes up on each of those searches you and they they clicked on it then you just spent ten dollars and your sponsored ad campaign enters a state called out of budget it becomes out of budget and when it goes out of budget your sponsored ad campaign is doing nothing for the rest of the day and it will reset but it won't reset until midnight so i think it's midnight pacific so that at 1201 a.m your budget will go back to zero and you can start over the next day so that's kind of how that works. Um, every sponsored ads campaign is different for every person, for every seller, for every product, for every brand. And oftentimes it changes dynamically over time. Your keywords might not change, but your bids might change and your maximums might change. And it just depends who's coming and going into the market and how that 
you know, how that snapshot looks. Uh, but it's, so it sounds, it probably sounds confusing or it might sound confusing and it might sound a little daunting. Don't let it intimidate you. It's uh, it's very simple. And Amazon makes it simple for new sellers because they provide a an auto campaign where you can basically go set up a sponsored ads campaign. You can assign some some monetary number to it and you can use the auto feature so that Amazon kind of creates keywords based on what people are searching for relevant to the keywords that you use in your backend and relevant to the keywords that you used in your listing. And they start to populate it for you, your sponsored ads campaign. That is, they start to populate that with real words. So they tell you the words that people are searching for or that they think that people are going to be searching for. And then also Amazon does provide you over time, a report that shows you what people actually typed into the search bar when they bought your product. And that lets you, that's going to be something I'm covering in the next episode, but that lets you dial in your keywords to the point where you know exactly what people are typing in and you know that they are typing that in and it's leading to sales of your product. And oftentimes it'll amaze you at just how way off you were with your keyword estimates and what you thought people were going to be searching for. But that's kind of the one of the fun things about this whole game. You learn so much about what people type in and what people, how people kind of think, and what their, how they interpret an item, a product, before they go looking for it, and before they before they buy it, I should say, when you know when they start to go looking for it. So it's kind of interesting. It's cool. Uh, but the sponsored ads campaign, once that gets rolling which isn't going to happen until you have products in the warehouse and sales going on, you know, going through, um, the sponsored ad stuff is, is critical for pushing your products to the front to get more eyes. And the more eyes you have on it, the more clicks you're going to have. I realize clicks cost money, even if they don't buy it, they do cost money. But at the same time, the more clicks you have, the more sales you're going to have. And if you have a really, really, really awesome looking listing with awesome pictures, awesome benefits and features, and a really nice looking, uh, just nice looking listing that's really attractive. And the price is right for the product. And, you know, it's FBA, so it's prime and everything. Uh, you're going to get more sales. So the more clicks, more sales. So once they click on your page, you have that, that one opportunity to turn them into a customer. And you do that by having just a, a really awesome listing. So we'll get into that again too in the next episode, but that's going to wrap it up for this, this episode. And we will cover all of the remaining Amazon related content in part three of the FBA, amazon.com breakdown. Uh, so that'll be coming out soon. So keep a, keep a lookout for that. And if this was helpful to you at all, and has shed some light on physical products selling on Amazon, and maybe you start to understand the process a little bit more, then that's awesome. And I'm glad that I could do that for you and I could help a little bit. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing this with somebody, that would be cool too. I am trying to kind of spread this information as much as I can, trying to be you know as, as viral as I can with it so that more people see that there are opportunities out there and I am interested in discovering more entrepreneurs and bringing them into the market. And more specifically, I'm looking at all the parents out there that want more for themselves, want more for their families and their kids. 
And if they have any amount of creativity whatsoever and desire to do this, then I want to be the one that at least helps them a little bit uh, working towards that lifestyle and working towards that goal of theirs. So please share, subscribe, and leave us a review if you think that there's uh, something that we need to know or if you have an opinion on the show, we would love to hear it. That'd be awesome. And uh, with that, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks a lot. Take care.